Raise your hand if you are wearing, using, possibly driving something new this morning that you got for Christmas. Now, I say driving because obviously uh, you see, you know, these commercials have the red bows on them. So I guess it's apparently it happens for some people. But maybe you're a mom in the room and you've gotten some new jewelry, a sweater. Maybe you're a dad in the room and uh, you've got new boots or new shoes. Possibly a teenager in the room, you got a new phone. Or possibly you're a kid in the room this morning, and before you walked out of the house this morning, you had to grab that new toy because you'd much rather be entertained by that than what anything I have to say this morning, right? But in all actuality, in all seriousness, I think it's great to have kids in the room. As I was just panning the room a second ago, I see the Thaxton boys over here, and the Jacobs got some kids up there. The Stewarts are down here. So I'm actually, these are my people, so I'm glad the kids are in the room this morning, and we're going to have a lot of fun. If you're like me, you like to get something new. I like getting something new, and Christmas provides an opportunity to get something new. And in particular, I want to take you back a few years ago when I got something new from my wife for Christmas, and it was under the tree, and it was a small package that was wrapped. And as I looked at that package, and I know some of you probably can relate to this, because at some point before Christmas, you kind of, even if no one's looking, you try to maybe peek over there under the tree to see if you got anything under there with your name on it. And I did that, and there was just, like I said, a small package. But I was th- sitting there thinking, like, what could that be? Like, what? I don't remember asking for anything or wanting anything that is that small. And, and, but maybe somebody else, maybe my wife Kayla thought there was something that I needed that was that small. Or that I wanted that, that was that small. And so I, I, a couple days later, Christmas came, and I'm there opening that present. As I open that present, I realize that that small present pointed to a much bigger present, a much bigger present that couldn't be wrapped. And as I wrapped, unwrapped that present, I realized that I was getting a new set of golf irons. And I love to play golf, and, uh, and I had always said that the reason my golf score wasn't getting lower is because I had these old golf irons that I had gotten way back in college. These things were about 25 or 30 years old. Anybody in the room that plays golf, they were these Tommy Armour A55s. But I had already hit all the good shots out of those irons, and I knew what I needed was a new set of irons to take my scores to the next level. You know, I I pulled those uh, irons out, and I put my hands on them, and I instantly realized that these new irons were different than my old irons. I mean, the grip was different. The weight was different. It seemed like when I swung them, it was different. In fact, when I finally got a chance to go hit them on the range, I hit a ball and I realized, well, these irons are hitting them a little bit, not that they're any straighter, but they're hitting them a little bit further, right? And I was like, well, this is going to cause me to adjust kind of my distances, and so my old 7-iron, if it went 155, this new one is going to go 160, and, but what I realized is it provided a little bit of uncertainty, like it provided a little bit like I just didn't have this sense of confidence when I sit over this, not like I did with the old irons, I felt like the old irons, I knew what to expect, they just felt comfortable, they felt familiar, well, you may be here this morning as we face a new year, and you don't know what's coming in the next year. And maybe some of that newness of a new year provides and causes a little bit of um, anxiety. Maybe it causes some worry. Maybe it causes some uncertainty. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to Joshua 
one, that's where we're going to be this morning. And as you do that, I want to kind of share a little bit about myself to the friends in the room that I don't know very well, uh, the friends that I have not met yet. So if you're new, welcome, or if you're visiting with family, welcome this morning. My name is Scott, and I'm the adult and family pastor here at Watkinsville. And um, I've been in this position for about six months. I previously served on staff here for the last 12 years as the children's pastor. And Carlos is out of town for a family wedding, and so he asked me if I would fill in today. And so uh, I want to introduce you to my family as well. You'll see up on the screen here. This is my beautiful wife, Keela. You'll also notice that she's the only female, and God bless her, but she is a great boy mom. And then to your right is my oldest son, Drew. He's 18. And then to uh, your left, or my left now, your left, is uh, my middle son, Reed. He's 17. And this is Tate, and he is uh, the last, and he is 13 years old. Um, and, uh, and they're pretty incredible, unless somebody tells me afterwards, but I feel like they're pretty incredible. And um, one of the things that we do at the end of every year, especially Keela and I, and occasionally we pull the kids into this conversation, is we, um, we, we look back on the year. We just take a moment, have a short discussion. It doesn't really last very long, but we take a look and say, hey, what was something that was good this past year? What was something that was hard this past year? And as we had that conversation this year, we brought our kids into that. And as we had those conversations, there are some things that we knew as I was sitting where you're sitting a year ago from today, there are things that we were expecting. Like we were expecting our oldest son to graduate from Westminster Christian Academy, and he did that. That was really exciting for us. We felt like he was ready, and he was ready for what's next, and he's in the process of doing that. That was a real exciting time. We were very proud of Drew and what, what he was able to accomplish there. And then we've got our son, Reed. And we didn't know going into the year that uh, the soccer team at Westminster was going to play for the state championship and a little dag brag for a second. But my son Reed was able to kick the winning PK to give Westminster the state soccer championship. That was a really exciting, fun time for us. Now, as I talked with Keel about what Tate might say, it was kind of interesting. Tate uh, said exactly what I thought he would say. And when I asked Tate, I said, Tate, what was something that was really great this year? And his answer was what any middle school teenage boy would say. And he was so excited that he outgrew his mama. Right? Like, and you saw the picture there. He, he's got her by just a little bit. And he's, uh, he's working on me. He doesn't have very far to go before that happens. And he probably will say the next year that is what the highlight is of 2024 for him. As a family... We were excited about going on a mission trip this past year to Immokalee, Florida with our student ministry. It was awesome to see my boys door-to-door knock, uh, meeting strangers and telling them about Jesus. That was a highlight for us as a family. But there were also some low points as well. One in particular low point had to do with my mom. She had a cancer diagnosis this year, required major surgery, and by the grace of God, she's doing great. That was really a hard several weeks in our year that we did not expect. And then on top of that, we had some unexpected house repairs that we didn't expect as well. I'm not here to one-up anybody's story today, but what I am here to say is we enter into a new year. Here's what I know. is that everybody walks in here having highs and lows from the previous year and also knowing as they move into the next year 
there's going to be some things that they don't expect and things they're not planning for. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to look and see what Joshua has for us this morning. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for an opportunity that we can come in this room, we can gather together. Lord, I pray uh, as we read the word, God, that you would do a mighty work in here. Lord, help us to see your faithfulness in the highs and the lows. Help us to trust you. Help us to have confidence. Help us to walk away from here being strong and courageous. Lord, help us to put our trust in you and our hope in you for eternity. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So as we pick up here in Joshua 1, a little bit of context here is that Joshua is somewhere between 70 and 80 years old. And there, the Israelites are on the eastern side of the Jordan River, about to cross over into the Jordan. And, uh, and we see here that there's, uh, it's a period of transition here. A transition from uh, Moses, now having died, and the leadership being placed in Joshua's hand, and then also transitioning into the promised land that God had promised to them. So let's read right here in Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am given to them. To the people of Israel, every place that the sole of the, your foot will tread upon you, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember, the word that Moses, servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed and before your brothers and shall help them. Until the Lord gives you rest, gives rest to the brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given them. 
Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obey Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. And I'm going to let Pastor Carlos decide who he wants to pick up with chapter 2 in Rahab next Sunday. But as we look at this text, I think there's three things that we can consider, points that we can consider. The first, Joshua is experiencing something new. He's a new leader. Moses, who God used to bring the people out of Egypt and into the wilderness in their journey, he's now dead. And so Joshua is assuming a leadership position here. And this is not something that, uh, that, that people were not sure of. In fact, we look back at Deuteronomy 31, we see that Moses commissioned Joshua to be the new leader. So the people of Israel knew that Joshua would be the leader. Now, Joshua being the leader is not him to lead on his own accord. Joshua is being told that, that by God that God is the authority, that Joshua is to go where Moses tells him to go, where God tells him to go. And so he is not under his own leadership, he is under the leadership of God. And that he's only to go to the land where he is supposed to go. He's not to just go anywhere that he wants to go. What we also see here is that the land is new. It's not new in the sense of being created. It's already occupied by the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and several other ites. But God is the rightful owner, and going back into Genesis 12, God gave Abraham this land. Joshua, in fact, is not new to the land. He actually spotted out, going all the way back to Numbers 13. When Moses sent the 12 spies out, Moses uh, sent them out and said, hey, I want you to go and, and see if this is a land that we can conquer. As you know the story, Joshua comes back with Caleb as being two of the only ones that says that we can take this land. So Joshua has a history of faithfulness. And crossing this Jordan was where we're going to require him to, to, uh, to go back and to, uh, to depend on the faithfulness of God. At this point in time of the season, it's the springtime, and the Jordan is running pretty rapid. And so he knew that God was going to have to do something amazing, miraculous, to allow the Israelites to cross. It's estimated that it was about 2.5 million people that were going to have to cross the Jordan, and that it was not something that God just parted the, the uh, Jordan for just a few days or a few hours. It's possible that it was up to 15 to 25 days that, the, that God kept those waters at bay so that the Israelites could cross. As you look into this next year, maybe there is something coming that's going to be a challenge to you. Maybe you expect it, maybe you don't expect it, but just know that you can go into this new year Trusting something old. So as I think of the next point, that as Joshua's experiencing something new, Joshua's also going to remember something old. 
Joshua can depend on God's faithfulness. The promises of God and what he has done in the past are true, and they're not dependent on any one human being. God's covenant with his people is always fulfilled in his timing. Joshua was the assistant to Moses, and so as Moses was leading, Joshua was right beside him. And then through the wilderness, Joshua sees what God does to provide for his people. The people of Israel see God's protection. They see God's provision. They see God's power. They see God's presence, evident by several miraculous things, whether it was the manna that was available every morning, whether it was being led by a cloud by day or fire by night, whether it was water coming out of the rocks, they constantly looked back and saw God's provision, God's presence, God's power, and that gave them a confidence that God was with them always. Now there's something else that's old, and it goes all the way back to Genesis 3, and that's sin. And then while we don't specifically see sin right here in this passage, we do see the effects of the sin. Moses' disobedience back in the wilderness is going to keep him from seeing the promised land. Well, not keep him from seeing it. He does get to see it. It keeps him from entering it. And so we see the impact of sin and that the reason why Joshua is the leader to walk into that is because God had commissioned him to be the one to take the people of Israel into that new land. There's a consequence for sin. And as I think about this morning, something new and something old, I'm thankful that there's something that's the same. And that something is Jesus. You see, when I think about something new, eventually it becomes something old. And something old at one point was something new. But when I think about something the same, and I think about Jesus in particular, I'm thankful that he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It says that in Hebrews 13.8. Right? That we can depend on something, we can trust something that is not changing. But here's the point that I love about the life with Jesus is that the person in Jesus that doesn't change is the very person that brings about change. He can take new old life and he can make it new life. And so I'm thankful as we think about something new, we think about something old, we think about something and someone who is the same. Maybe this year you face a new boss or a new job. Maybe there's a new house. Maybe there's a new baby. There's something new that's going to come, but eventually that new thing is going to get older. I'm thankful that I can put my faith and trust in something that I can depend on that's never going to change. And that I can depend on that because that person in Jesus has been faithful. And as I mentioned earlier, and all the things that we saw back in this year that I saw the Lord work, I see his faithfulness is because, you know what? He was faithful in the year 2022 and in 21 and in 20 and the years before that. God is faithful. Here's something else that's the same. And it's the gospel. And as I think about the gospel and as it impacts us today, as we take a step into a new year, maybe you walk in here this morning and, and you just feel like, man, I, I, I'm a believer. And first of all, Hey, praise the Lord if you would say I'm a, you're a believer this morning, that you place your faith and trust. But maybe you would say it's old today. 
You know, right now where you're see, seating, sitting, you can say, Lord, please renew my spirit. Renew my soul. Give me a, a renewed joy of my salvation. Maybe you're sitting in the room today. Maybe you're an adult. Maybe you're a college kid. Maybe you're a child. And you would say, as I go into 2024, and I just don't want to do things the way I've been doing them. I don't want that old life. I'm actually looking for something that's new. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus can change that old to new? Right where you're sitting right now, you can just say, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. Just as there was a consequence for the sin of Moses, there was a consequence for the sin of Adam, there's a consequence for the sin that I have committed. I'm grateful and I'm thankful this morning that Jesus died for all sin, once, for all sin. And the Bible says that if I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he is faithful to forgive me of my sin. Salvation requires faithfulness. And so you can be right where you're sitting, you can ask the Lord to help you, to forgive you of your sins, to change you from an old life to a new life by placing your faith and trust in Jesus and the work that he did on the cross. It's a gift. As Joshua faced this mission ahead, he did so with confidence of knowing that God was faithful. And because God was with him, he had a hope that God was going to keep his promise of giving them the promised land. For some application this morning, I think we can look at Joshua 1 and we can see that there are seven markers, not resolutions, but markers that can help us navigate the expected and unexpected events in this new year. Let's look at verse 1. And the first marker is this, that we can listen to the Lord. After, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. See, the Lord spoke to Joshua and Joshua heard. God was giving Joshua the plan. He had the plan. The plan was the best plan. And all he was asking for Joshua is to be obedient and be faithful to the plan that God has for him. I think as we move into a new year, we can be obedient and we can listen. I think the way you do that is you create a consistent habit of listening to God through prayer and the reading of his word. Marker two, you see here in verse two, it says, now therefore arise and go over this Jordan. So as we listen to the Lord, we also respond to the Lord. And you do so with confidence and strength and courage. I think it's interesting that God tells Joshua three times to go with strength and go with courage. It's because I believe that Joshua probably doubted himself a little bit. He was uncertain about it. But God said, no, no, you go with strength and you go with courage. Because I am with you, I go before you, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. That's a faithful promise of God. So we need to respond to the Lord. Marker 3 that I think Joshua gives us is that we can meditate and obey his word as we move into a new year. It talks about this in verse 7 and 8. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my service, servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So we can meditate on his word. We can put it in our minds. We can have it on our lips. You can do so 
by reading his word. And, and on your way out this morning, you can pick up a reading plan. Maybe that'll be something that can help you to be consistent in the reading of his word, to meditate on it, and then to obey it. Marker 4, as I see in verse 11, as Joshua is talking to the commanding officers, he says, be prepared. In three days, we're going to go across this river. And I think about that as saying, I mean, imagine these, these people uh, in Israel. They have been wandering for 40 years, and it's about to happen. They're about to go and enter into this promised land. And so as I think of Marker 4, it's prepared to move when God says to go. They were to be ready. Marker 5. Remember the Lord's promises, verse 13. As I look at this, it says, Remember the word the Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Now, he's talking right now to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And as he's talking to them, the, those, those groups had already been promised the inherited land on the eastern side of the Jordan. They weren't going into, uh, into the, onto the western side, into the promised land. But what... Uh, Josh was saying this to remember. This is not a casual like, oh, remember that time when we did this? This is a remembering that should bring about change and a lasting impact. So as you go through uh, into next year, I want to challenge you, maybe encourage you to sit down before the current of this life uh, starts to just kind of go about here in the next few days. We've got a, a point here where we can pause and look back. Maybe make a note of what God has done in this past year. My wife does that in the front of her Bible. She has a listing of all the things in the, in the years that have just, things where God has been real faithful. I love looking at that from time to time. Maybe you want to make a notes page. But maybe you sit down with your spouse. Maybe you sit down with your kids. Maybe you just sit down individually. Before things just really start to ramp up at the beginning of this new year, and you look back and you just say, God, thank you for your faithfulness, and these are the things that I remember as we move into a new year. And those things are gonna give you confidence as you face the new things that come in this new year. Marker six, lead others to follow Jesus. If you look at verse 16, and they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obey Moses in all things, so we will obey you. As I think about this, this is the Reubenites, again, the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And they're trusting the leadership of Joshua as long as Joshua is, is leading and following the Lord. So one thing I think that we can do as we move into this new year is we can be uh, the feet of Jesus. We can be the hands of Jesus. We can let uh, it not be just our words, but we can, it can be the actions of how we lead, how we point other people to Jesus. The last marker is marker seven. We don't find that in uh, chapter one. I actually want you to kind of move over to chapter four for a second. And the last marker is that we want to celebrate the works of God. It says this, when all the nation had finished passing of the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from people from each a tribe and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priests feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. As it goes later on, you see that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you should tell them 
that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant. When it is passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. I think the last marker for us to move in is to celebrate the work of God. As I thought about this last one, it took me back to when I was a kid. I was in about sixth grade. I was at Pleasantdale Elementary School in DeKalb County. And I have a twin brother. And my twin brother and I were faced with, at the time, what we thought was the hardest academic assignment we'd ever been given. And if you grew up in Georgia in, the, in that time, it was uh, the social science fair. Anybody know and recognize, remember the social science fair? Okay, we got a couple of people, right? And um, we had to choose a topic. And complicating this topic was the fact that uh, I knew that other kids in our grade were going to be creating rockets that could shoot into space and like volcanoes that would be pouring out real lava, right? And so we knew like what we were about to choose as our topic. Probably we weren't really going to set the world on fire with it or anything like that. But we chose this topic. And my brother and I laugh about it. We don't really know why we talked. But it was, we wanted to resource the historical markers of DeKalb County. And on a Saturday morning, I remember my dad waking us up, and it was a cold Saturday. And I remember us driving around taking pictures of historical markers, probably much like the one you'll see up here. There's one outside of the courthouse I took a picture of earlier this week. Some of you may see those, and you want to go read them. My wife's not that person. She doesn't really care to read them. But those markers are there for a reason. So that people that come later on, they can go and read and see what that marker says and what that marker points to. Now, these are markers of the things that have happened in, in human history, and, and right? And as I think about these 12 stones, these 12 stones was a reminder of what God had done. Not what man had done. It wasn't what Joshua had done. It wasn't what the priest had done. It's the miracle of what God did to save, to push those waters back, hold them at bay, while the people of Israel could get across. It was a memorial. It was a marker. And so as I close this morning, my question is, is what is your marker in your life? What is the memorial of your life? What are, what are you giving to God and praising him for and thanking him for as far as his faithfulness and his goodness in your life? How are you celebrating that? What mark are you leaving? And maybe in 2024, you're going to say, and I'm going to take some of these things and I'm going to apply some of these markers. Maybe it's, you want to apply all of them. Maybe you're going to go into 24th really thinking about what mark you have made with Jesus in your life and how do other people see that marker. You know, um, as I think about this marker, I think about that time with my dad. Uh, 14 years ago, he passed away. And um, I remember walking into the hospital room, and I don't know why I said it. But I said, thank you for taking us to church. I mean, yeah, he, he took me to take pictures of the markers. And in fact, you know, you think about that project, I'm surprised I couldn't find it. They worked really hard on that project. Um, but he left more of a marker on how to be a servant of God 
He said what Joshua said at the end. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what my dad did. The takeaway today is this. God's faithfulness yesterday in the past gives us confidence for today and gives us hope for tomorrow. And I pray that you will know that. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness in my life. I thank you for the faithfulness in your word. I thank you for the power that comes from your word. I thank you for salvation that comes through the work. Lord, it's not a gift under the tree. It's a gift on the cross. Jesus, you shed your blood so that we can be forgiven of our sin. Lord, help us to walk in confidence. Help us to be strong and courageous. Help us, Lord, as we move into a new year to do so, putting our faith and trust in your faithfulness, your promises, knowing that you're faithful to keep them, that you cannot break them. Lord, I pray that every person in this room would say as they walk into a new year that, Lord, they have a hope that transcends this year, that transcends uh, this life, that it goes beyond that, that they have a hope of eternity through you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. You are good, whether it's high or low. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.